our gospel reading this morning from the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 7, verses 32 to 37. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray again. Father, we pray today, this morning, with Samuel of old. Speak, Lord, for your servants listen. And we pray with the psalmist, O Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our our hearts in this place be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our only redeemer. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we approach our gospel passage this morning, uh, we're contemplating the Lord's very profound response to human suffering, to human brokenness, and to human helplessness. Last week, our text exposed the problem of human sin and the great need there is for the appropriate response of shame and repentance before God. I beseech you, writes Chrysostom, always confess your sins to God. Expose to him the wounds of your soul. Expect from him the cure. Repentance is life, and it's a discipline of the soul to be practiced and to be learned. Nature fights against us in this, and we need to train ourselves in the habit of confessing our sins. But this week, our text highlights another aspect of human brokenness, today not pertaining to our moral shortcomings, but rather simply the burden of human weakness that all of us have inherited from the fall. Apart from the ravages of sin, the human person has been burdened and disfigured by the fall, physically, mentally, emotionally stricken. And in some people, the burden is more visible and more critical than others. Some carry the burden of the fall in brokenness far closer to the surface and with more obvious pain. But even with those who seem to have it all together, who seem to have undiminished powers and proportion of body, who seem to walk around like gods unaffected. Even with these, there is deep, deep fragmentation. Across the board, our natures have been burdened by the the fall. Fragmentation of mind, fragmentation of body, fragmentation of soul. If you're familiar, and I know some of you are, with Andrew Peterson's children's stories, the idea here is the cloven, a people who have been misshapen and deformed by the enemy and who lumber painfully and slowly through life. And across the Gospels, and especially today in Mark's Gospel, Jesus Christ is consistently moved with pity at the thought of human brokenness. 
when he comes into the company of those who are physically or mentally or emotionally burdened. Jesus is consistently provoked in his spirit as he witnesses the oppression that humanity labors under. Just think of the woman in Luke 13. She was oppressed, we read, with a disabling spirit for 18 years, bent over and unable to straighten herself up. And Jesus sees this daughter of Abraham, and he sees her oppressed by the evil one, bound by Satan, and he is stirred deeply at the sight of her, and it moves him with compassion. Woman, thou art loosed from your burden. And in our passage today, Jesus' response to the brokenness of this man is a deep and resonant sigh. He exhales, we read. He exhales with compassionate feeling. He is touched here by the feeling of this man's infirmity. And you see, these two responses need to be held and maintained together. On the one hand, as we heard last week, the Lord's displeasure and even his anger towards human sin. And on the other hand, God's rich, rich love and compassion towards the burden and plight of the sinner. And we need to be able to distinguish these things if we would be effective ambassadors for the gospel. We need to regard God's hatred for sin and embrace that same kind of displeasure. Psalm 97.10, you who love the Lord hate evil. Psalm 139, 21, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not, do I not loathe those who rise up against you? Jude 1, 23, we're to hate even the garment stained by the flesh. But we also need to regard and embrace God's deep, deep compassion towards human fallenness. We're, not, we're, we're supposed to stop as a people when we see the person stripped and beaten and left at the side of the road to die. We're supposed to take care of them, and we're supposed to bind up their wounds at our expense. Someone asked Mother Teresa why she bothered rescuing babies from the garbage cans of Calcutta. And the simplicity of her response was stunning. I rescue them because Jesus loves me, she said. Not because he loves them, which he does, but because he loves me. And Teresa understood, as one author put it, that we cannot turn our backs on the wretched of the earth without turning our backs on him. And pretending to enjoy the love of Jesus while being blithely ignorant of the Lord's compassion for the wretched of the earth is the worst kind of hypocrisy and dishonesty. Jesus loves the wretched. And how can we claim to have any meaningful fellowship with him when we are essentially preoccupied with our own ease, making our lives as comfortable as possible, which in good measure describes the situation of the 21st century Western world. Of all the people in the world, we should be the ones who are most moved by the plight of human brokenness and wretchedness in whatever form it shows itself. Because Jesus is the most moved at the sight of human wretchedness in whatever form it shows itself. 
And so now very briefly this morning, I want to make three very short points about the way Jesus approaches this burdened and wretched man. And first of all, I just want to make a a very brief comment about Jesus' charge to the people that they should keep quiet about what he's done. Jesus is not compelled to draw attention to himself. Jesus is not compelled to draw attention to himself. Now, in part, this is just practical. He doesn't want the crowd obstructing his ministry. And he doesn't want to be associated with all the Hellenistic wonder workers, the thaumaturgoi, these wonder workers of the ancient world who reveled in attention. That was their shtick. The more people, the better. The more attention, the better. But beyond this, and I think more importantly, Jesus is simply content to do his work before the Father alone. As Paul says in Galatians 1.10, he's only concerned about God's approval. If I were working for the approval of men, he said, I wouldn't be an apostle. Jesus doesn't need to go on social media and say, preached a great sermon today. You should really check it out. Jesus doesn't need to say, performed a great miracle today. You should check it out. It's very, very important in an age of rampant narcissism that we look to Jesus in this habit of living only for God's approval and resist the temptations, brothers and sisters, to draw attention to ourselves. Stop drawing attention to yourselves and live only for God's approval. Secondly, Jesus draws very near to the person in need so near that he puts his fingers in the man's ears and he makes spittle. And then he touches the man's tongue. Now, I wanted to say something very, very clever about the spittle. I wanted to drum up something, uh, some kind of allegory about the spittle of Jesus and come out with some very, very clever theological application, some little nugget for you, but I've got nothing (laughs) about the spittle. But I think the importance here is about the proximity What Mark is trying to say is something about the proximity of Jesus to this broken man. Jesus gets intimately close with him. He enters into the shame of this man's brokenness. And I think we need to ponder this. We need to be willing to enter into the mess and the shame of people's brokenness and be identified with their sorrow simply because that's where Jesus goes, right into the midst of it. That's where he is. St. Francis, you know, a number of wonderful stories about this old saint, St. Francis. Francis was initially nauseated by the lepers. Couldn't stand the sight of them. Couldn't stand the deformity. Couldn't stand the stench. And and he writes about riding past someone on his horse, and he had to turn away out of disgust until he realized that the colonies was where Jesus was. And when he understood that Jesus pressed right into the midst of those colonies, then Francis could take those lepers' face in his hands and kiss them on the lips and bathe their wounds because that's what Jesus had done. Jesus calls us to be near broken people. It's very easy from a distance to say, go in peace, be warm and be filled. It's very easy to write a check and say to the children halfway across the world, go in peace, be warm, and be filled. 
It's another thing altogether to walk into the midst of their cold and into their poverty and make a difference. And I think we need to ponder this, and we need to think very carefully about how to respond to Jesus' example. And thirdly and finally today, we read in verse 37 that Jesus Christ has done all things well. There's lots of things in this world that are very, very helpful to people in need, and we could rattle off any number of institutions. But the Word of God says very clearly today, in a world that is so filled with brokenness and misery and wretchedness and pain, Jesus Christ is the only one who can walk into the suffering and do all things well. And you and I are the ones who have the privilege of bringing that gracious presence into their lives. And brothers and sisters, wherever you are today in your fallenness, in your brokenness, in your wretchedness, in your pain, Jesus Christ can do all things well for you. And so after the service today, I'm going to be at the front. I'm going to have a little stock of oil here, and I'm going to pray for those of you who are feeling the extent of your brokenness and your, your pain. And I'm going to simply make a, a prayer for you with the sign of the cross that the one who does all things well will today walk with his gracious presence into your midst and restore and heal and deliver and make you whole. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.